Uh, it's okay to laugh, right? We talked about that last week in, in, in part of that emotional uh, rhythm in our life. It's okay to laugh. Um, praise the Lord. We're in week three of our Rhythms series. And uh, if you haven't been here or you missed one or the other, make sure you get the CD or you can watch them uh, online. We've got them on our Vimeo channel. I mentioned last week, I, I just realized that if you've got one of these smart TVs, which I just got a, a few months ago, so I'm learning how to use it, but you can actually like... From the Vimeo app, if you're watching one of the service or something, you can stream it to your TV and then watch it on the TV as opposed to on your device, which I thought was super cool. Um, so uh, if you haven't heard it, you can watch it on your, on your phone or your iPad, your computer, or on your smart TV. Uh, but we've been talking about rhythms because God wants us to have rhythm in our life. And last week, we started talking about four areas of fatigue in our life. We talked about emotional fatigue. We talked about physical fatigue time and finances. So last week we focused on emotional and physical, and today we're going to talk about our time and finances. But we don't like hearing those words, right? We don't like hearing the word of time or money. So let's look at it this way. We're going to talk about prosperity and productivity. See, if you define it as prosperity and productivity, we're more in tune because, I mean, how many of you want to prosper? All right, some of you either are lying or, or don't want prosperity, but that's all right, I'll take it. But how many of you want to be productive, right? We want to prosper, we want to be productive. Now look at what the scripture says in Psalm 23. Go to Psalm 23, verses 1 and 2. I mean, this is probably the most famous chapter in the Bible. I mean, people who die and you go to their funeral, even if they've never stepped foot in a church, a little card on the back has Psalm 23, right? It is all over the place. John 3, 16 is probably the famous verse, the most famous verse, but Psalm 23. It says like this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In the New Living Translation, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. And verse 2 says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. And in, in the New Living Translation, it says that he will give us rest in green pastures. Time and finances, prosperity and productivity. Now let's start talking about rhythms in our prosperity. We'll start there. Rhythms in prosperity. Third John chapter two, third John verse two, third John, the book of third John verse two. Some of you didn't know there was more than one John in the Bible. There's four. All right. There's the gospel of John, the book of first John, second John, and then third John. It's only one chapter. Verse two says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and have health just as your soul prospers. See, a lot of times people believe incorrectly that God doesn't care if we prosper or not because money is an evil thing. But the truth is God wants us to prosper, but not just prosper in the area of money, but he wants you to prosper in health and in every area of your life. The caveat is as your soul prospers. And that's where we kind of get it a little out of whack sometimes. So beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, in this Rhythms of Prosperity, I'm going to talk about three M's for your money. Three M's for your money. And the first one is this, defeat mammon. The word mammon, if you read the Bible, in the book of Matthew, chapter uh, four, chapter 6, verse 24, 
God said through Jesus, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. And he says this, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon was the fancy way of saying money. But mammon is not money per se, your cash. It is a spirit, the spirit of mammon. See, the Bible actually says that, and a lot of people say this, oh, the, the root of evil is money. Well, that's, that's a part of what the verse says. The verse says the root of all evil is the love of money. It's important to read your Bible because that little word there changes it a lot. Money's not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of the evil. So what is it? The spirit of mammon needs to be defeated in our lives for us to be able to walk in the rhythm of prosperity that God wants us to walk into. And how do we defeat it? Well, like in anything, you need a weapon, right? If you're going to go into battle right now, you're going to need a sword, you need a bow and arrow, you need a knife, you need a gun, you need a weapon. The weapon to defeat mammon in our life is this generosity. Generosity. That is how we defeat the spiritual mindset of money above all. Being generous. It doesn't come naturally. I mean, have any of you ever seen someone on the street that maybe is in need and you kind of have an inkling to help them and then a little voice tells you, but they're probably going to use it to buy drugs or alcohol. Anybody ever felt that? Yeah, do you think that was God telling you don't be a blessing? Or do you think it was your mind who is the greatest ally to the spirit of mammon saying, but if you do it, you're actually messing it up. See, that voice, our mind is the ally to the spirit of mammon. And we defeat it by generosity. And that's something you've had to learn in your life in order to be able to conquer it. We do that with our children. We teach them. My daughter, Alexandra, is probably one of the most generous people I know. She's always giving. The other day she had pulled out, she was taking a dollar for an ice cream or something they were doing at school. But all of a sudden, she tells Patty at a red light, I want to give my dollar to that guy over there. And she had to stop the car, put the window down. She flagged them over and said, God bless you, and gave her dollar away. She's five, about to turn six, going on 28. But if you've had a conversation with my daughter, Alexander, you know what I'm talking about. That little young lady is wise beyond her years, okay? But she's learning how to hear the voice of God. But parents, that doesn't just happen. We need to instruct our children in the Lord. It it doesn't just happen. There needs to be daily routines of them reading scripture, hearing the word, worshiping, praying. That is something that needs to happen on a daily basis so that they can learn and not learn it when they're 40 and 50 years old like we are. Ladies, I know nobody's years older than 21, but the guys were about 40, 50 a lot of us in the room, right? Got a lot of young ladies in here, 21 years old and all the old guys. I learned at a young age, everybody's, every woman is always turning 21. We defeat mammon by generosity. We defeat mammon by hearing the voice of God and obeying it. So rhythm of prosperity, the first thing is defeating mammon, the spirit of mammon, because you can't serve God and money. The second thing is 
We need to minimize our stuff. Minimize our stuff. Now, is it bad to have good things or desire good things? No, it's not. It's the condition of the heart. What are we putting before? What are we giving up in order to have this and this, this idea of keeping up and doing these things? Look what Matthew chapter 6 verse 25 says. So verse 24 said you can't serve God and money. Verse number 25 says this. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? This is the parable where Jesus then starts talking, or the, the script section where he starts talking about, do not worry about tomorrow. I've got you. I will take care of it. We've got to minimize our stuff. Some of us, they can make shows about our stuff. Like, I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a collector. Okay? I'm not a hoarder, but I'm a collector. Especially when I first got married, I had like my, my coin collection and my car collection and my micro machine collection and my this. It's all these collections and, 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 and those little papers, right? Like, I'll take notes on a little piece of paper. And I've got, I mean, I've got some notes. I can pull out some notes out of a drawer from a youth retreat when I was 12 years old, right? And then most of us, if you're like me, let's be honest, well, I'm going to keep this because this is important, but you never know where it is. And so when you really need it, you just assume that you lost it or your wife threw it away, one or the other. My wife is, is she's been a blessing to me on that. I, she just has no clutter. Like we, we are decluttering. It, it, to, to me, it's very therapeutic to like color, to like rest. For my wife, it is therapeutic to like get a drawer, throw it all out and organize it, right? So she's very, very helpful in my life for that. No clutter, get rid of it. Because what do we do? We, we mismaximize. Some of us, I mean, don't raise your hand, but some of us have storage units with stuff inside and we're paying all kinds of money. And if you threw everything away and had to rebuy it, you would save thousands. True or not? All these things, but one day I might need it. And our great-great-grandkids then sell it off in an auction or in a, in, a, in a garage sale, and it was never used. Wow, you see this vintage item from 1948. It is in mint condition. They never opened it, but one day they might, right? Minimize our stuff. And here's the third M. This is a big one. We need to build in margins. What is a margin? A margin is the space around the writing on a page, right? When you go to type something in a Word document, you set your margin. Are you going to have a one-inch margin, a half-inch margin? What are you doing? Some of us, we begin to, and it's funny. If you ever type something on Word and you go to the margin section and you can do normal, narrow, you can find a different margin. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us are living our lives so tight that there is no room for margin. And we need margin in order to be able to live in the prosperity that God has for us. And you know the number one thing in building margin? Getting rid of bad debt. What is bad debt? Your mortgage is not bad debt. It's a debt and you want to get rid of it, but that's not a bad debt. Bad debt is your credit card. Bad debt is your lease card. Bad debt is your school loans. 
We youth pastored for many years and we still advise young people all the time. I tell them every single time, go to the school that you can go to for the least amount of money. I can't tell you how many teacher friends I have. That's my profession that I studied. That's what I worked in in Dade County Public Schools and then in the publishing field or industry. How many people I know that got into sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars of debt at private universities to get a teaching degree, and now they've been teaching for 20 years and they're still paying off their student loan. That's bad debt. Eliminate it. Get rid of it. Credit cards are not made to sustain your life. But many of us are up to the wazoo in credit cards. I read a a thing. They were interviewing different brackets of life. Right now, the average millennial has almost $30,000 of credit card debt and student loan debt. The baby boomers were the best with about 28,000 and the ones in the middle were at about 30,000, 35 as well. And, and this is not, again, this is not your house. This is credit cards, student loans, car payments, stuff like that. Church, we need to stop having all of this. We're paying thousands of dollars in interest a year. And guess what? Interest on a mortgage you can put on your taxes. Interest on a credit card is bad debt. You can't. Did you know that? You can deduct the interest that you paid on your mortgage and on your mortgage insurance, but not the one on your credit card that you're paying 21%. Man, look at this. I need a new TV. This TV's on special. It's only $500. Boom, put it on a credit card. Pay it $22 a month. Pay it off five years later. It ended up spending $1,700 for a $500 TV. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but a lot of us have done that or are living that right now. And then we're asking God, why am I always tight? Why isn't it happening? Well, we have no margin. And we need to build in a margin. Here's the second thing about living in a margin. We need to live by a budget. You hear budget and you think diet. And a budget is not a money diet A budget sets you up for your retirement and your future success. 61% of Americans don't live with a budget. 61%. Six out of 10 people don't live with a budget. And then we're wondering and we're saying, but God wants me to prosper. The Bible says God wants me to prosper. But are we doing the things that we can do in order to walk in God's fullness? We talked about it with our emotions. We talked about it with our physical. And now we got to talk about it in our prosperity and in our money. Building margins. And here's the last one. Live below your means. Everybody has heard the saying, live within your means. Everybody heard that? No, no, no. Let's take it a step further. Let's live below our means. If you make $1,000... You can't spend 1500 But that's how most Americans are living right now. And this is how we're doing it. How are we making ends meet? We are just solely depending on overtime. Oh, but if I just get one more shift this week, I'll be okay. If I work three extra shifts a month, I can make my bills. And then you can't get an overtime shift And all of a sudden, everything goes out the window 
and you're there charging it all. Now, let me talk about credit cards for a second. And some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, how is this? Like, I came to church to get fed. Well, I'm your pastor, and my responsibility is your whole life. And so many people are constantly struggling in different areas, and it's because their life is not in the rhythm that God has for them, and we're living out of whack. And so when you think about credit cards, is it wrong to have a credit card? No, if you can pay it off. What do I mean by that? My wife and I, we use a certain credit card to pay for all of our monthly things, and then we pay it off at the end of the month, and we accrue miles. We had an amazing vacation to Hawaii a year and a half ago. Our plane tickets cost us $48 because we had saved up all the miles from the credit card and we bought our four plane tickets on miles and the the process was just $48. It would have cost me $4,000 in plane tickets, but because I had been using that, I was able to accrue it and have a great vacation for a fraction of the cost, right? Now, here's the thing. The credit card can't be how you sustain your life. Oh, just charge it. Just charge it. Have you ever had anybody that is like, oh, this credit card is for emergencies only? It's like, but those shoes were an emergency. I needed them. Wow, I just needed that new TV or iPad or whatever it is. It was an emergency. No, it wasn't. Minimize your stuff. Live below your means. As a matter of fact, there's a principle that's talked about, which is the 80-10-10 rule. 80-10-10. And you get this out of the book of Genesis. Does anybody remember the story of Joseph and Pharaoh? Okay. Remember the story of Joseph and Pharaoh when he interprets the dreams from Pharaoh that there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, put somebody wise to do it. What Joseph started doing was he started collecting 20% of everything that was produced in all of the land of Egypt. And everybody had 80 Well, when the famine came, they had collected everything from the 20 and they were able to supply for everyone those other seven years. And not just that they were able to supply, you've heard the saying that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, what happened? Pharaoh had all the storehouses. So when the people needed food, they had to sell him their land. They had to sell him their flocks. They had to sell them their lives. So at the end of the famine, Pharaoh had provided for everybody, but he owned everybody. So yes, a market crashes, and the guy that had been saving money went out and bought 10 properties. Oh, the rich got richer. No, the guy had been saving and living below his means and then had liquid in order to be able to enter into a new opportunity. Does that make sense? So what is the way that we need to live our lives? 80-10-10. You tithe your 10%, you save 10%, you live off 80%. Godly principle. Tithe your 10%. I'm going to get into a series on this later in the year. I'm reading a book by Pastor Robert Morris called Beyond Blessed. Wrecking me. It's amazing, okay? And this is something he said. He said, tithing is you believing that God can do more with 90% that you can do with 100 Biblical principle. We'll get that later on this year. I'm reading the book and studying on it. But that, when I heard it, I was like, wow, that's what tithing is. So 80, 10, 10. Live off 80, save 10, tithe 10. Perhaps we're not there. Perhaps you can't save 10%, but try to save a little bit. 
Do you know that the average American has less than $1,000 in savings? That's what the average American across this country, less than $1,000 in savings. So then you get an issue with your car, you get an issue with an appliance, and you can't fix it. And what do you need to do? Put it on a credit card. And if you don't have good credit, you can get it with zero interest. Now you got to pay 21% interest. And before you know it, your $1,000 appliance ended up costing you $6,000. Why? No margin. No savings. So this is practical. Are you, are you with me this morning? Don't stone me yet, all right? Living below your means. So we talked about rhythms in your emotions, rhythms in your uh, physical, rhythms of prosperity, or in your finances. Now let's talk a little bit about this. Rhythms of productivity. Rhythms of productivity. We all want to be productive, We all want to be productive, but in order for you to be able to be productive, there's two areas of our life that we need to adjust and bring into godly rhythms. The first one is a daily rhythm, and the second one is a weekly rhythm. Now, we're not going to talk too much about weekly rhythms. We're going to spend some time talking about daily rhythms in our life, daily rhythms in our life. I want you to go to Genesis chapter one for a minute. Genesis chapter one, I had, I heard Pastor Joel Stockstill preach about this and I, I, I had never seen this or understood this and it was really a huge blessing. Genesis chapter one, verse number three. Then God said, let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the first day. The only unit of measurement that God gives us in scripture about time is day. And here's the next thing. God measures day with evening first and then morning. If you read every single one of the day's creation, and then the evening and the day were second day. And then the evening and the day was the third day. The book of Psalms says that, jo- that, that, that weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It doesn't say you have joy in the morning and then end up in, weep- in weeping. All throughout scripture, God puts evening first And then the day, which is why the Jewish community starts their day at sundown. Every Jewish holiday, everything that they they, they do follows. It starts at 6 p.m. all the way to the next day at 6 p.m. So here's the thing. If you control your evening, you'll control your morning. If you control your evening, you control your morning. We have it out of balance. Our society looks at it as that the beginning of the day is six o'clock in the morning. We're behind the eight ball already. Why? Because our evening is completely out of whack. And we need to start controlling our evening in order to be able to then control our morning. So let's talk about some of these things a little bit. Okay, let's talk about them a little bit. Early in the morning. Your first 15 minutes of the day should be for God. They should be for God. And when, what are you doing when you surrender your day to God? You're saying, God, I need you 
in order to make this work for me. I need you in all the areas. It can't be me. Evening time, and I'm jumping, I jumped around a little bit there. But let's talk a little bit about this, what's called a good night formula. This was written by Craig Ballantyne. This is what they call the good night formula. Okay? The 10 hours before going to sleep, no more caffeine. No caffeine. 10 hours before going to bed. I'm Cuban. I grew up on Cuban coffee in La Guirita at grandma's house, right? For those of you who don't know what that is, that was a small little bowl that many Cubans brought over from Cuba. It was called La Guirita. It was a little thing like this. My grandmother would make me my Cuban coffee at four or five years old. I drink it and then I get my finger, pull out all the sugar and whoop, inside. Grew up on coffee. I can have a, you know, a, a, a cafe con leche right before going to bed and I'll fall asleep. But guess what? The caffeine in my system is not letting me truly rest. I may be asleep, but there's a difference between sleeping and resting, is there not? So according to this principle, and according, this is all stuff that's documented in studies, the last 10 hours before going to bed, there should be no caffeine. Three hours before going to bed should be no more food. If you're going to go to bed at 10, 7 o'clock, no more food. If you're going to sleep at midnight, which is a little late, you shouldn't go to sleep that late. Nine o'clock, no more food. Here's a big one for a lot of us. Two hours before going to bed, there should be no more work. Studies show that it takes at least two hours to fully disconnect from all those things that you were doing for work for you to be able to have an adequate night of sleep and rest. So two hours before going to bed, turn off the work computer, turn off the email, Put it away. And this is the one that's the hardest for all of us. The last hour before going to sleep, no screen time. What do I mean by screen time? iPad, phone, devices. So this has been a study that's been going out for years already. The effects of the blue light emitted by LEDs. Have any of you ever heard on that? Have you not heard about about that yet? So the blue light emitted by your devices affect the production of melatonin in your brain, which is what tells the brain it's time to sleep and shut off so that you can rest adequately. There are studies being done right now because we're switching all of the street lights to LEDs and it is affecting the sleep patterns of the Americans that are having all this natural daylight light. And then we're not sleeping the way we should. So what did Apple just do in a lot of phones? You can download it on your things. You can download something so that at a certain time it goes to night mode. And you'll notice if you put it on your iPhone, your iPhone changes from a regular screen to a yellow screen. It's a yellow light. It stops emitting the blue light. Listen, let's not just switch that. Let's get off our phones the last hour of the day. Get off our devices. Get off our things. Man, don't even put them in your room. So you can actually rest Because if you control your night, you'll control your morning. Guess what? If you do these things, they say that you'll have to snooze the alarm clock zero times. Because in the morning, we wake up, it's like five more minutes. Eight more minutes. That's what my watch does, right? Eight more minutes. If you snooze it, it's eight minutes. Snoozing, snoozing. Do you know that scientifically they've done studies and they've proven that people who snooze their alarm clock are grumpier than people that just wake up and go about their day? 
You're starting off the day wrong. And why are we starting off the day wrong? Because we're going to sleep late because we're doing all these different things. We're not resting. Oh, I fall asleep as soon as I lay down. Well, some of you are falling asleep as soon as you lay down is not because you're ready for sleep. It's because you're so exhausted physically that you fall asleep, but your body doesn't truly rest or recover the way it should. Rhythms of productivity. We want to be productive, church. We've got to rest. Do you know that studies say that the average American watch five to six, five to six hours of TV a day? Five to six hours of TV a day. When are they doing that? When they get home from work and they sit there till 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, or one in the morning on Netflix, Amazon Prime, watching whatever it is that it is. Cut that. Minimize that. And get rest in your body so you can wake up and be productive. Oh man, I, I, get, I keep getting passed up for promotions at work. Well, are you the one that gets there early and is productive throughout your day because you're full of energy and you're doing what you're supposed to be? Or are you the sluggish one? It's, it's, pretty, it's a little rough. I get it. And I'm working on this too. These are things that I'm trying to apply in my life as well. And don't be like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. This has been so much information. You know what? Pick one thing to start adjusting in your life. For example, pick the caffeine thing. I'm going to stop having caffeine after whatever, 12, uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. No more caffeine for me. Start applying something. You're going to see your body start to respond. Because God has given us things in our body. In order to be able to deal with things, we need to put them in alignment and put them in order. Early morning, what you do in the morning will determine your day. And whatever you give priority to in the morning, in your afternoon, this is where the enemy attacks us, right? Two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. We're tired. I'm almost at the end of day. Let me have that cafecito. Let me go talk. Let me try to get pushed through. I just need a little bit. No, no, no. The truth is, if you control your night, you're going to control your morning, and you're going to find yourself with more energy even in the afternoon. And your evening time, guys, your evening time is to spend with your family in fellowship. You know that family time is not sitting on the couch watching TV? You can't have conversation. I, I'm, I'm, I don't like people to talk to me while I'm watching a show. So like we will have to pause it and we'll do it and whatever because I want to be able to focus and watch my show or whatever the case might be. But here's the thing. We're spending our evenings doing things that are not family time. Your evening is the time for family, for fun, and for relaxation. And if we start putting these things into rhythm in our life, our emotions, our physical, our body, our finances, and our time, our prosperity, and our productivity, we will begin to see changes in our life. Let me go back to our kids for a second. We need to teach these principles to our children from an early age. You know what? My daughters don't drink soda. They're not going to have to get unhooked from it like their dad did, right? They don't drink it. They drink water. We're not even big on juices because you should eat your fruit, not drink your fruit. I remember Patty's gynecologist when she was pregnant with Abigail told her that. Don't drink your fruit. Eat your fruit. 
Because when you're drinking the fruit, it's all full of the sugars as well. I gave you guys the illustration last week with that 10-pound bag of sugar. The average American consumes 150 pounds of sugar a year. And that's a lot of sugar. It's a good product for Florida, isn't it? We make sugar here in our state. But it's killing us. So we teach this to our children. The principles of prosperity is something that we work on with our daughters, especially Abigail, who's a little older. We, we, our, our daughters are girly girls, and they love their American girl dolls, okay? And uh, they each had their doll, and then Abigail decided that she wanted another one. Now, how many of you do not know what American girl dolls are? Anybody not know what American girl dolls are? Yeah, you have a son. That's why you don't know. It's okay. <laughs> So American Girl dolls were invented by this lady who was an educator. She wanted girls to be able to know their history and empowered and so on and so forth. So they made these dolls and they come along with a book. The books are amazing. They're all on fourth and fifth grade level, reading level. They're really good. And here's the thing though. American Girl dolls cost $130 a piece. Okay? You want to know, next time you go to the falls, go to the American Girl store. You're going to be like, you're going to have a girl, Ralph. I remember, I, I, I'll, I'll be at the store and I'll text Ralph pictures of, of, of what these things, cause like my daughters are like, want this thing from the American Girl store and it's like $300, like it ain't happening, right? So Abigail was like, I want, whoever it was, Luciana. It's like, well, you have a doll. We already bought you a doll. No, but I want another one. I was right, so this is what we can do. We can sell your doll online or you can start saving. You know, my daughter has saved up and bought two dolls herself. Saves every tooth fairy dollar, saves every dollar that grandma and grandpa give them, save everything that she got on her birthday or Christmas. And then Abigail will be like, dad, I got my $130. All right, great. Did you tithe on it yet? I challenge you, ask my eight-year-old, give her a number and ask her what the tithe is. Teaching her already. Why? Because if she learns it now, guess what? She's going to exceed whatever level of prosperity Patty and I walk in. Because she's learning the faith now. So many people rag on Pastor Joel Osteen. Because he's always a smiling preacher, this, that, or the other. Man, there's such a huge testimony that I heard him share one time. You know, his dad, John Osteen, was an amazing preacher, man of faith. They were able to be in this building, sat 8,000 people. It was a huge blessing. After he dies and Joel takes over, the church continues to grow, blossom. They end up buying the compact center, the arena where the Houston Rockets used to play. Sits 18,000 people. He tells his son one day, son, one day you're going to take over. You're going to be there. And he said, no, dad, I don't want the compact center. I'm going to Reliant Stadium. That's the football stadium. He's looking at it and saying, well, grandpa reached this and you reached this. God's going to use me even more. Church, our children are called to exceed us. But if we don't teach them and if we don't learn and apply it to ourselves first, nothing's going to happen. Oh, but God didn't, didn't do it. Why, God, why aren't you providing? God, why aren't you healing me? God, why aren't you doing this? Well, the question is not about God. Why isn't God doing it? Why aren't we doing what we need to do to align ourselves to the word of God? Because when you get in the right rhythm, things will change. Control your evening. It'll control your morning. Early morning, afternoon, the evening. Let's talk about briefly 
about your weekly rhythms. Weekly rhythms. We need to have a Sabbath, a day of rest. And I'm not going to talk about the lot too much right now because we're going to, next week we're going to talk about rest, okay? But here I want to talk about your personal time. We need at least, every single one of us, at least half a day to a full day a week of personal time to run our errands, to get our things done, to get your nails done, to get your hair cut. You know it's not a problem to go get your nails done. Ladies, you can go get your nails done as long as it's within the budget. Somebody like, Bite, you saw? He said, I can go get my nails done. I'll take you to the dollar store and buy you a bottle. <laughs> if it's not in the budget, do them yourself, okay? But take the time to do it. Take the time to do it. Listen, here's the truth. We can always find something else that needs to get done. All I need to do is walk around my house and, I, and, and there's the list of items that I need to do. Recock this, put a new screw in this, redo that, redo the other. There's a list of items. Got to go do this. You gotta do. We need to take time to get our stuff done. Every single one of us. And we need to have a work week. This thing that we work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I messaged somebody the other day. Hey, praying for you. How you're doing? What's going on? Oh man, it's awesome. I have so much work. I can't even sleep. That's not healthy. You're cutting days off your life. Your children are going to grow up without a father. That's not God's best. Living within a rhythm. Putting things in order. Worship team, come to the altar. These four areas that we are fatigued in, we need to adjust. Church, emotions. We talked again, we talked about it last week. If you weren't here, listen to it online or ask for the CD. We don't charge for the CDs, they're free. Got to get our emotions in check. Our physical body needs to get into the right rhythm. Our prosperity and our productivity. We all want to prosper and we all want to be productive. But in order to walk in God's best, we need to align our life and take control of every area of our life. What it is that we consume through physical eating, through watching, through listening, because we're out of rhythm and things out of rhythm break. read somewhere that the average person has 27,000 days, give or take, based on what the average lifespan of a human is. Samantha, she's got 26,000 something days left. Some of us in here don't have that. In the lobby today, I was talking to somebody just outside, man, we're in February already. Half of February is gone. 
And because we're in this like hustle, bustle, hustle, bustle. I mean, it's like you blink your eyes and it's Sunday. You blink your eyes and it's Sunday. You blink your eyes and it's Sunday. Everything is just going. And we need to pump the brakes and put these four areas of fatigue back into the rhythm that God designed so that then we can live the life that God called us to live. His best life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, I came that you might have life and life abundant. Create margins, get rest, get right emotionally, start to exercise and get right physically, eat right. Before you know it, even though times are going quick, you have more energy, you're getting more accomplished, you're getting more done. And then it's like, wow, God's favor is upon my life. And God was always there. We were just out of alignment. Let's put them back on order. Let's put it back in sync into the rhythm that God has so that we can reach everything that he has for us. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.